All right, everybody. Hello and welcome back to our final episode of the 306 Fantasy Football Podcast for the 2022 NFL season. We are recording episode number 81. Uh, we're going to be going over a little bit of the Super Bowl recap and kind of what the, what to expect from the podcast here in the uh, upcoming weeks. So before we get started into that here, we'll uh, say hello to the fellas and then we'll maybe get a little bit of a recap of uh, what's been going on here the last little while. But uh, Armand, well, I know other than maybe the Super Bowl party there, what's uh, what's the last <laughs> little bit been, uh, what you've been up to keeping you busy? Oh, basketball season officially done. So getting a little bit more free time on my hands now. Well, maybe I can make some dynasty moves or something. And uh, uh, I know for some people, this might sound like a small fries. For other people, it might sound like a big deal. But today I uh, did reps of uh, 315, so three plates squats today. So felt pretty good. Did four by four, and I feel beastly. Attaboy, Armin. Off season, eh? Talking yeah. off-season reps, off-season dynasty trade, just never a dull moment for this guy. <laughs> Always working. Zach, how about yourself there? Been uh, ready for the break, I guess, one more day for us, or what's been keeping you going? Yeah, that's about it. Just uh, living for the week off at this point. Oh, man, it's been a, it's been a grind. We had our uh, pack finale here for basketball, so it's much the same as uh, arm and basketball seasons coming to a grind uh seven eights finished today and then we got our six sevens that'll wrap up the week following after the break so looking forward to some little bit of time off here this week uh, actually myself i was talking with my wife we might end up going to edmonton for for a stretch hit up ikea went to ikea during our honeymoon and well that's a that's an awesome place right there i don't know if you've ever been to ikea before but that's uh that store is pretty freaking cool and you can get like a plate of meatballs for a dollar so i mean just go there for oh, the yeah. meatballs, i think but uh we'll uh we'll hit the recap button here uh maybe just a little bit of uh, what's been going on with the charity event stuff uh we're still kind of uh, finishing up some loose ends here so we should have some the grand total we'll put it up on our social media on uh how we ended up doing there like last year uh but we're doing pretty darn good we did really well during the charity events and uh so did our participants our charity bracket challenge winner uh with a kc win tim stewart locked that one up with a near perfect bracket uh, getting 13 of 14 points. He only had one incorrect game. Uh, Lexi Carrier, uh, shout out to my wife there, gave me a licking on uh, the bracket challenge. She got two incorrect. She had a, a really good bracket as well. And uh, Nolan Zur, our friend from uh, the NC Squared podcast, uh, he locked up third. Uh, he got three incorrect, so a total of 11 of 14 points. So a uh, really good finish for those three. Uh, Super Bowl prop bets. This one was a fun one just because of uh, – the ups and downs in the wild game of Super Bowl, which we'll get to uh, in a little bit here. But Robbie Gates, back to his winning ways, uh, finished first with 19 correct guesses on the prop bets. Uh, I finished second with uh, 18 total points. Uh, I thought with, uh, I really thought, I was hoping that it was the orange Gatorade would have solidified me in the first, but purple Gatorade, who's going to guess that one at plus 1,000? <laughs> but I uh, finished second, and then we had a tie for third between Marcus McKen and Riley Dalshog. And uh, Marcus had the tiebreaker over that one. So I don't know if you're familiar with those two, but uh, good buddies of mine and from the same friend group as Saskatoon boys. So uh, I'm sure there's a good uh, little ribbing there that'll happen between those two of them tying and, and Marcus winning that one. Then uh, our last one too we had was the uh, new one this year we did, which was the Super Bowl Super Squares. And uh, you, if you didn't know how that works, you could buy a square. And if the quarter ends on your score, uh, you win the prize. Uh, first quarter prize winner was Calvin Schneider. Uh, second quarter winner was Tiffany Stewart. 
Uh, Stewart family really cleaned up this year. Uh, third quarter was Matt Hogan and our grand prize winner was Matt Robbins. So that was a new one we did this year, uh, just kind of on a whim and it ended up working out pretty well for us. So something we might continue on uh, in our next uh, next season as well, coming to the playoff and NFL, Super Bowl time, whatever. So uh, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Zach, I guess this is your first uh, Super Bowl watch party. Armin and I were there last year and you were there this year. Attendance was down a little bit, but, um, it, you know, I think wasn't too much. It was just we had a little bit of a bigger venue this year. We separated it and spread it out quite a bit more. Uh, where last year we kind of cramped in the one corner. But what was uh, what was your thoughts of, an, uh, of your first experience of the Super Bowl watch party um, from the podcast and Rock Trout events? Uh, it was a good time. I really appreciated how there were probably eight or nine screens available. So uh, regardless of where I was sitting or standing, I could easily catch uh, a view of the game. So that was really nice. And the the food and the drinks were nice too. Uh, those nachos were super popular. Uh, I bet uh, my wife and I and Armand and his wife, we probably had like six or seven plates between the four of us throughout the game. So they're, they're nice to have. At the uh, before the thing starts every year, and last year they did it too, where they come and bring out some of the samplers of the food and ask us how what we think, more or less, whatever. We got those nachos, and I was like, "Oh boy, these are freaking good. <laughs> these are going to be real popular." And I was, that poor guy in the back is humming nachos out that window. Like I bet you we made I bet you a hundred plates of nachos like easily because they were going <laughs> they were going fast and furious. Oh yeah, man! Like that that topped the food from last year. I think we sold the like double if not triple the amount of food this time which uh, you know last year's food was really good too but there's just like a wide variety of different options where this year was you know that you had pizza or you had nachos but man like those not there's something to be said though about going to watch a football game and crushing nachos like it's your go-to is either nachos or wings and uh, I don't know about you guys. I, I do like wings, but for some reason, if I'm going to watch football, I'm just crushing, crushing nachos. I'm also a big salsa guy too. So maybe that plays into it, but uh, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, we had, uh, we had a good turnout. Um, like I said, we, it was, it was pretty close to what we had last year. Uh, and obviously all the people doing the same thing we wanted to do, watch a really good football game. And we were, we were treated to an unbelievable football game. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit, but uh, everybody wanted to be there for the same reason. Watch good football game and contribute to a good cause. And uh, and at the end of the day, that's what we were able to do. Uh, so we're super thankful to everybody that was able to make it, uh, be in attendance, uh, you know, like Zach said, have drinks, have food, and, and enjoy a football game. So we'll, uh, we'll get to the football game here shortly. We're going to do our last 22 fresh quick question, the 2022 season, uh, and then we'll kind of dive into a little bit of the uh, recap. But this one is a fun one, uh, kind of thinking into next season. Um, I know the season's over, but like Armin, like Armin said, dynasty trades are coming up here. So we're taking the hats off here pretty quick into the offseason. But what is something that you would really like to remember from this year that you're going to utilize come draft season next year? So maybe it's a, you know, a major takeaway from the season or it's a strategy that was successful this year you want to implement next year. Uh, players to avoid, you know, new quarterbacks and new offenses, something along those lines. So uh, we'll start this one with Zach. Uh, what's something that uh, you're going to take away from this season that you uh, really don't want to forget uh, moving into the 2023 uh, fantasy season? So I don't know if this question answers your, rather, I don't know if this answer uh, answers your question completely or not, but uh, um, I was thinking rostering two quarterbacks isn't a bad idea. Uh, 
that goes for a one quarterback league. And if you're in a, a two quarterback league, uh, certainly you want to roster three quarterbacks. Um, this is two seasons in a row where I thought that my, my one dynasty roster was good enough to, to win it all. But uh, because of Lamar Jackson and his injuries, I have been left going into the playoffs. Uh, last year, it was Jared Goff. Uh, this year, it was Brock Purdy, who I peeled off the waiver wire um, right at the end of the season. So uh, in both of those cases, having having an, a bona fide starter as a QB2 uh, may not have won me the championship, but it certainly would have put me in a, a better position. Um, and then in Armin's redraft league this year, um, I think I was probably the one of the unquestioned better teams in the league all season. And right as the playoff push was coming into sight, uh, Jalen Hurts went down and I was forced to tinker with a few lineups with uh, Gardner Minshew and, and Jared Goff again. And uh, I was in a few dicey matchups there. Um, but luckily Hertz came back before the finale and I was able to play him, but, uh, had that not happened, I, I would have been starting Minshew or, or Goff in a final in a, in a league where I thought I was probably the best team all season and would have really hurt to have lost that, fa- uh, that championship, uh, by a few points if, uh, one of those two quarterbacks played poorly. So, um, next season I am, I'm thinking about, uh, drafting two quarterbacks and, and keeping one on the bench all season. Um, because I don't want to be in that position again, where, uh, I have, I have a strong team, but you know, it kind of falls apart at the end because of a, a missing piece at quarterback. That's, um, that's a strategy that I've kind of thought about. Uh, and to be honest, even this last season, I think I did, or maybe it was two seasons ago. I can't remember how it all worked out where you draft that quarterback in say the sixth, seventh, eighth round or whatever, uh, whoever you end up, it's usually not the top three type drafted quarterback, but, you know, somewhere in the range of uh, maybe Joe Burrow last year where he was in, you know, probably drafted QB 9, 10 in that ballpark. But I know there's lots of people that took a late round shot on um, on Trey Lance. Uh, that wouldn't have been this past year, even higher draft capital, obviously it would have been two years ago. But you take that shot on a, on a high upside guy this year, if you would have taken that uh, that shot on like a Justin Fields, you draft your whatever, your QB 10 off the board, and then you take a late round flyer on Justin Fields, you hold on to Justin Fields and all of a sudden, boom, you got a quarterback one for the stretch of five weeks just with that rushing platform. So you can take that high upside gamble late. And so it kind of plays right into your strategy there, Zach, where you're talking about, you know, two QBs isn't the worst idea. Like imagine if you had Jalen Hurts, you picked him up in the sixth round, and then all of a sudden you had uh, Justin Fields with your, what, your 15th round or 14th round pick. And Jalen Hurts goes down and, and Justin Fields plops right back in there with almost a similar, similar, um, you know, scoring system as uh, what Justin Hurts or uh, sorry, Jalen Hurts would have got you. So I, I, I think honestly, it's not a bad idea, especially if you're swinging for the fences. Like you said, you, you ended up with um, last season, like, this season, uh, Jared Goff was a little more upside, but last season, Jared Goff was uh, a flop for, uh, you know, for majority of the year, but that's not the type of guy and, 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 Correct me if I'm if you if I'm wrong here for me and putting words in your mouth there, Zach. But that light, you know, additional quarterback, you don't want that, you know, just in case quarterback that you could probably get off a waiver wire anyways. I think maybe you're speaking to more of like an upside guy that you would draft at that second quarterback, or or am I maybe speaking out of context here? No, no, you uh, you hit the the nail on the head there. Um, 
I wouldn't want to be rostering a a, a waiver wire caliber quarterback. Um, in the redraft league that I won, I, I was able to take Goff and Minshew off the waiver wire. And I think I went like three weeks in a row where I started a different quarterback. Like it would have been Minshew, Goff, Minshew, I think. Um, so I, I'm talking about having a, yeah, like one of those top five or six quarterbacks probably. And then having a, another uh, startable quarterback on my bench. Yeah. Not like a Jimmy Garoppolo or, you know, like a Baker Mayfield. Those are guys that you could easily prop up off the, the waiver wire. Somebody with a little bit more of an upside. Um, Armin, what's, uh, what's something that you don't want to forget moving into the 2023 season? Um, I always get into this every year in, of taking safe bets throughout the draft. And I think this year I'm finally going to try and remember, go high upside over the safe bet. Um, a team full of safe bets don't win you the championship very often. Um, whereas the high upside guys are, um, it's just those safe bets. Um, you might get like that 10 points a game kind of thing, but um, high upside guys, you, you want those guys that have the potential to blow up for 30, 30 points in any given week. And um, those safe bets, they they're drafted low for a reason. That's because they're not getting you they're getting you just so many points a week. So why not uh, on those last few picks that, you know, like your bench guys or your flex spot draft the high upside guys, and then just try and mix and match throughout the the year and, and pick the best matchups or hopefully one of them um, turns from a high upside guy into a consistent every week uh, threat. Yeah. I, uh, I love this one Armand with those late round picks. Hell, even, you know, in those uh, the 10 to 12 rounds, I, I guess maybe a guy could consider those a little later rounds. But there, there's a, a mentality among drafters that it's like, oh, you know, he's um, he's a safe PPR type running back. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to draft him where you could you know, swing for the fences and get somebody with a little more upside. And there is something to be said that having, you know, a couple of those guys uh, that's, you know, the safety blankets, a worst case scenario or, you know, maybe a guy that's a, a receiving back. But then if the RB1 gets hurt and that and that guy can step into that RB1 position where then that does have that upside. Right. But there's no, there's no reason to draft a Boston Scott. What, what do you, what do you think Boston Scott's going to do? You know, he's RB3 on the team. He's probably going to get a touchdown here and there. Then you're going to kick yourself that you didn't start him when you didn't get a touch, when you got a touchdown and then you play him the next week and get you 2.6 points. Like nobody <laughs> Boston Scott on your roster. You know what I mean? So um, I, I like that piece of advice there, especially for, for drafters next year. Um, mine, this is a different one because, uh, I've always been kind of in the idea that, um, the late round tight ends and then playing the tight end market and trying to cycle through and trying to find something that hits. But the last couple of years, it's a uh, few and far between to try and hit those late round tight ends. And, uh, it's become apparently clear to me, uh, especially on the, on the teams that I've been a champion in that that tight end position matters. And having a premier high-end tight end really, really matters. And not having one hinders your roster significantly. And when you miss, like, for example, if you took a, a Kittle and then panicked and traded him early, or you took a Kyle Pitts, those are high-end draft picks. And when you miss on those tight ends, that's like missing two total picks altogether. Because not only did you give up that third-round pick where you could have got a really good wide receiver, but then you also got a terrible tight end that you can't feel like you cut, have to put in your roster – and Kyle Pitts gets you another 2.2 points and you lose the week because your tight end position flops. 
Like if you if you're going to take a high end tight end, you need to hit or you are in trouble. So I am going to probably have more Travis Kelsey this upcoming season than I, than I'm proud to admit or or I mean, you know a, a tight end of that equivalence because um if you took a tight end, you know Hawkinson panned out this year uh in that you know tight end 5 range. Uh, Kittle was a bust for half the year until probably the, the close to the playoff stretch. Kit, Kittle or um um sorry Pitts was a total bust. He won our bust of the year and he was drafted tight end 4 in that range. And Andrews had a down season lot to do with the Lamar Jackson injury but he was drafted tight end one or tight end two depending uh on your drafting you know your, your league there uh but that tight end like Travis Kelsey finished as the wide receiver four on the season as a tight end so be able to put him in your lineup and then have another spot where you can put another you know wide receiver that can get you 10 12 13 14 points that just significantly puts you ahead of the rest um so so myself personally next year um it's easy to say because when you look at Travis Kelsey on that uh, first second round turn and you say oh man I could also get a you know a premier running back instead but then at the end of the day you could also end up with a tight end and get you one point where if you look at so many championship rosters what are the odds they had you know Kittle that they ended up picking up off the off a trade bait or something like that or they had a Kelsey that was able to carry them throughout the entire season on that onesie position same kind of goes into a little bit what Zach mentioned where you need to have a good quarterback you, know, you can take the late round quarterback because they can get you 18 points, but then how many quarterbacks can get you 40 hell 66 points or whatever hurts got in the Super Bowl? You know what I mean? Like there's not many that can do that. And that same thing goes back to Travis Kelsey. There's not many tight ends that can do what Travis Kelsey does. So uh, I will be going very heavily on those, uh, those high end tight ends. And I'm going to be avoiding the tight end four, five, six, and so on. If I don't get one of those top couple, I'm just throwing the position out the window and hoping for the best in that, you know, tight end 12, 13, 14, whatever, uh, kind of, kind of range. So it's, it's a little risky, but especially with the cost price, but what, uh, what they can do for your team, it's, uh, I think it's very, very valuable. Um, moving into, uh, insiders and headliners here. I'm not even going to use the drop cause we've got one here. Uh, Zach, I think, um, what you mentioned too, when we were talking about this before the Super Bowl winner sitting at uh, rock trout, I think, uh, that goes into a lot of consideration here with, uh, what we're going to talk about with Derek Carr, uh, we you know lots of the reports and and fantasy profiles and Twitter and everything was talking about pretty much locked. De- Derek Carr is going to end up a New Orleans Saints, so we we're kind of waiting to see what the trade would be, what the conversation would be, and then uh, all of a sudden he comes out and says, "No, I'm not going to waive my no trade clause. You're going to cut me." And we're kind of sitting there thinking, "Huh, this is a little interesting." And Zach, maybe you uh, want to share because I think now it's a, a lot of what you shared uh, on Sunday is is pointing in the direction of what's most likely going to happen here. Sure. Yeah. I, I got this idea from the, the draft dudes um, podcast. And the idea basically is um, the, the Raiders had granted Carr the opportunity to visit with and meet with uh, potential suitors. And one of those was the saints. And I, I believe he had either two visits or, or two days uh, consecutively Uh, with the saints and the idea is is during those visits they kind of agreed on the parameters of a deal um that would suit Carr and the saints but instead of Carr saying yeah i'll i'll accept the trade to the saints and his new team the saints having to uh send 
presumably draft capital over to the Raiders. Um, Derek Carr being in control because of the no trade clause simply said, I, I don't want to go to the Saints. So it would not be surprising in the least bit for me if in the coming days, uh, the Saints all of a sudden come to terms with uh, with Derek Carr and they're able to get the player that they wanted without having to give any draft capital to uh, Carr's former team, the Raiders. Because why would Carr want to go to a new team and and weaken them in any way uh, while also helping the team that is sending them out, sending him out the door? Especially a very winnable division. Yeah, and that... <laughs> Sorry, that ahead, seems man. to be kind of what Derek Carr is. Like, he, he seems to be a team-first guy. So he, he wants to be team-first for the team he's going to, right? And kind of the other way you can look at it, say, up your bum to the the uh, Raiders for giving up on him. I could just imagine him walking out the door backwards, just two birds in the air being like, thanks for <laughs> letting me visit them, but suck on this one. <laughs> like, Oh, it's so good. Just oh, I just could imagine because yeah, that you know, not that Derek Carr is a you know top end quarterback, but he's he's given his heart and soul to that organization and and played through injuries and and done a lot for that team and unfortunately hasn't you know hasn't hasn't won you know the the franchise the the big games or nothing like that. But uh, yeah, he, a guy that cared about the organization and them to say yeah, see you later. Like don't even don't even report to the to the facilities. We're we're moving on. It's. Sucks for him, but hopefully he gets a fresh start wherever he lands up. Or I think we're all kind of guessing that's going to be New Orleans. And and like uh, we talked about, a very, very winnable division uh, to be said as well, too. Um, okay, we've talked enough about a little bit of uh, intro stuff here. Let's talk about the Super Bowl. Uh, Chiefs, Eagles. Uh, this one, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the third highest scoring Super Bowl uh, in modern history. And uh, it was a fun one. It smashed the over. Uh, touchdowns for you, touchdowns for me, touchdowns for everyone was this uh, Super Bowl. <laughs> and uh, Mahomes ends up winning the MVP. The game was unbelievable. Uh, it was very entertaining, especially if you're somebody that was in a boat, I think. Uh, at least I'll, I'll share this. I don't know if anybody else is sharing the same sentiment where if both teams can't lose, then let's at least make it a fun one because I didn't really want to see either team win and I just wanted a good football game. And and that's, um, whoa, that's definitely what we got. So uh, Mahomes wins the MVP. Uh, I guess if there's any takeaways from the game here, but uh, the big one that's left the game uh, after, and it was like, oh, the, the refs ruined the game. The refs ruined the game. And and I don't know if I totally agree with that sentiment. I thought that was a well-officiated game. I thought they did a really good job, but obviously the, the elephant in the room is the uh, holding or not holding call. And uh, if you ask an Eagles fan, obviously they think it's uh, it's, a, it's a BS call. You ask a KC fan, they think it was a no-brainer hold, then, and um, and I don't know about you guys. I I think it was a good call. It just sucks that it was that call in that moment. If that call happened in the first quarter, nobody's thinking about it or moving on. It is what it is. But because it extended the drive, um, I don't know. What my my thought is, he hit Juju on that crossing road about eight times in that fourth quarter. And now it's a touchdown. That was going to be a touchdown if he didn't get held up after five yards that's going to be a touchdown. That's, that's my thought. Um, I mean, I think it's a hold. I'm also a unbiased opinion here, but uh, I'm curious on what you guys think here. We'll start with Zach and we'll get Armin's opinion right after. Zach, do you, do you agree? Do you think that's a hold or do you think it was a little cheeky with, uh, with the game on the line? 
so I, I, I do agree that all the replays that I've seen and I've, I've seen all sorts of replays on Twitter where they go frame by frame, etc. But uh, I do think it was a penalty. Uh, was it an, an egregious penalty? I, I don't believe so. Um, the, the curious or the frustrating thing is that that was like the only uh, defensive holding penalty called all game. So conceivably, they're letting the DBs play a little more handsy um, up to that point. And I saw an interesting stat on Twitter the other day, and I, I forget who uh, who created it, but it said that the referee, uh, Carl Sheffers, he and his, and his crew uh, hadn't called a defensive holding penalty um, since December 24th, since Christmas oh. Eve. Uh, multiple games. A lot of overlooks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so for them to potentially swallow their whistle for three or four games in that area and then to not call any similar penalties for 58 minutes and 37 seconds of the Super Bowl and then to call it at like the biggest stage, it does, I think in my mind at least, uh, take a little bit of the excitement out of that game because if they don't call that you know most likely the Chiefs kick a field goal and then then we're left with about 90 seconds for for Hertz and the Eagles offense to attempt to march the field and kick a game tying field goal or score a game winning touchdown instead of throwing you know one of the worst Hail Marys I've seen I'm glad that caught mention that was brutal <laughs> Just an absolute noodle arm trying to throw that one about 40 yards upfield. Like if, if you want to do that, they should have drafted Mac Jones. Okay. Like <laughs> look like look like me and Armin playing catch before River Riders. <laughs> just, just throwing up quackers right up the And middle. like the worst part was it it was a rope. Like there was no art to that. It was just yeah. a just laser. A silver bullet about five feet off the ground. Yeah. <laughs> the I think before we get Armin's take here too, you you made a good point where was it egregious? No. Was it a flag? Yes. Like, was it, a, or sorry, was it a hold? Yes. But if you think about if there was a non-call there, do we get the same outroar and the same frustrations from Chiefs fans if they lose that game? I just don't see it because, like, it, uh, yeah. Was, yeah, it was a hold, but, like, is that one we could overlook? It's hard to say. Like, you know, like, now we're splitting straws, and, and if you see, a you know, the, the ref sees a, a jersey, a, hand, a handful of jersey, then he's going to throw the flag, but you it wasn't egregious. And I think that was the best part you said there, Zach. And for me, I don't care either way. Like I didn't obviously, I don't know. I don't know. Armin, what do you think? Um, I got a lot of things on this one. Um, yeah. Like it wasn't egregious. It like you watch that play and it wasn't a big enough hold to, to impact the play. I don't think like, I honestly don't think it changed the changes the outcome of that play. Even though Juju was targeted by Mahomes and went over his head, Juju's not catching that ball. Um, it wasn't a big, huge tug on him. Like it didn't look like it slowed down Juju. Um, and and then also the the other side of it too, with like kind of building on what Zach said about um, the refs not calling a defensive holding call for how many games is that 
you know, like you guys have all been part of sports. You've coached, you've played, you know, that every game you got to feel out what the refs are calling, figure out what you can get away with, what, like yeah. where the lines are. Right. And that line was made all game long. And then it changed on the most important play of the game pretty well. Right. Um, and that is, is where the frustrating part would be as, as a player, because like, yes, I did hold him. That w- is a penalty. Like if you're calling it by the rule book, yes, but refs can let things go. Right. And it was kind of a, a change. It's that consistency, right? Like, I always leave a basketball tournament if the refs are consistent all all game long. I say that was a well refed game. They controlled the game and they called it consistent. It was the same things were getting called every time, and it, there was never anything where it was like, "Well, you weren't calling that." Yes, it's a foul, but you weren't calling that. You know, like it it feels consistent, and that's just it was well refed until that one call, and that one call was just not didn't follow the the trend that that ref crew had set up for for the boys yeah it's it's one of those ones where i i don't know maybe you're damned if you do damned if you don't and unfortunately that's the the life of an official uh for a lot of games where if you overlook the call one team's happy one's pissed and vice versa you know six one way half a dozen the other but uh, it's why i hate officiating and i respect anyone who who does put on those stripes because man, it's tough and you get abused so hard. So like I, I refuse to ref cause I don't want to take that abuse. And I try not to abuse officials ever because I know like it's tough. It's the most respected comment right there from Armin Schalberg. <laughs> um, I got one more takeaway here. Unless, uh, unless you guys, something you guys got something else you want to add here, but I, I got one more. I think honestly, there is no player in the entire game that I respect more than Jarek McKinnon. And uh, I actually ended up sharing this little blurb on Facebook. It was somebody else had posted it and, and uh, I had the picture of him taking the knee on the one yard line. And like, if you think about yourself when you're playing sports growing up, whether it was hockey or it was, you know, football, basketball, uh, whatever sport you played, you think about yourself and you like you, you think about winning the big game or you think about playing at the pinnacle of your career. You think about, you know, if you're a hockey player, you want to play in the Stanley cup, you want to play in the NHL, you want to win a Stanley cup or, you know, for a football player, you want to play in the Great Cup or the Super Bowl, and you want to win those big games and those memories of play uh, that you can tell after. And how many players that have gotten there? Uh, obviously, a very short list. And then in that short list, the amount of players that have got a touchdown or you know an interception or something like that. Those those big plays, those defining moments in your career and and even your life. Um, and to be able to share those moments and those stories with your kids, your grandkids, your your friends. And Jarek McKinnon has had one of the biggest roller coaster careers a, a running back could have from injuries to trades to cuts to all these different, you know, the roller coaster ups and downs, the highs and lows. And to have a door open walk in touchdown at the age of what is he, 31, 32 years old, to in the Super Bowl, to ice and possibly win the Super Bowl, he takes a knee on the one yard line to ice the clock, kick a game winning field goal with eight seconds left. And then presumably, you know, finish the game. Like that is one of the most uh, like unselfish team-like plays I've ever seen on the biggest stage. And the K- like somehow Casey's got to be like, 
giving this guy a bonus or something because to be to have the self-discipline do that is something that I don't know I have and I, I you know I would consider myself a team player by by you know most most accounts but to have that memory for the rest of my life that I won the Super Bowl with, with a game-winning touchdown to just have that right in front of you take one more step and you take a knee instead for the betterment of your team now that's that's a team player and that's a guy that deserves money or bonus or, or whatever um that, that that was one other thing that I just that I wanted to mention from from that takeaway because we talk about Jared McKinnon the fantasy player all the time you know we, he was a guy that I thought could have been the playoff hero for us in our drafts I thought he could have been the you know waiver wire stud uh, he's a guy on my team that helped me win some win some big weeks down the stretch but uh you know to do that for his team was was quite quite an accomplishment quite the moment uh, of you know of if if you could define teamwork in one picture or you can define discipline in one picture that that's the picture that you sh- should show but uh, i don't know you guys have anything else you guys want to take away from the game well his dedication on that too like when he's sliding in you could see his like his foot was even about to break the plane and he's like i'm not even going to let a single part of my body you see his foot falling back making sure that he's not crossing the plane at all yeah. but anyway wild like wild there's like I just, I don't think I could do it. I don't think, but anyway. I, I agree. I, I don't know if I could do it either. Like that, that is uh that is a team guy right there. And that took a lot of discipline. There's a, uh, a moment that you may never get again, but I mean, you guarantee to win, you guarantee a Super Bowl. So I guess, you know, given a little give and take. Um, wrapping things up here, we got our weekly recap and then just a little uh, talk about what we have moving forward here for our, for the podcast and the remaining remaining weeks and and obviously the off season but starts of the week here uh let me start with armand this was a pretty obvious one here uh let's let's hear yours all right my stud of the week is uh jalen hurts with uh three rushing touchdowns and one passing touchdown and over 300 yards passing i think he had um, like 70 yards rushing as well yeah um and a rushing two-point conversion yeah and a rushing two-point conversion um the Eagles didn't lose the game because of him. In fact, like we went into this game thinking that it was the Chiefs were going to be led by Patrick Mahomes, and that was the reason they were going to win. And the Eagles weren't, it wasn't on the back, supposed to be on the back of Hertz for them to win the game, that it had to be on the back of, of the team. And it ended up being the opposite. Like both teams had a shot at winning this game. And the Chiefs, it was their team effort, I think. Honestly, like Patrick Mahomes, he gutted it out and everything, but it was a team effort to win that game. Like everybody stepped up. Whereas the Eagles, it was Jalen Hurts, and that was it. And I I honestly think, and this might be a hot, hot take, but if he doesn't fumble that ball, he wins MVP of the Super Bowl, even though he's the losing QB. Because um he he put up better stats than Mahomes by a lot yeah by a lot and if if the e like if if they win like it's solely because of him like Mahomes was relying on special teams and defense to win him that game and they both came up with huge plays um so yeah Jalen Hurts was my stud of the week and honestly like even with that fumble in my mind, he was the he was the MVP. He was the best player, and it kind of shows here when you guys look at the, your guys' studs of the week too on that. 
yeah, like you could you could add Devonta Smith, you could add AJ Brown. They both had good games, but that's because of Jalen Hurts. I I would be lying if I didn't say it crossed my mind that Jalen Hurts might win the MVP even though he lost. Like his yeah. stat line was like uh, it's like it was like a Madden stat line. Like it was actually it was unbelievable, and and he was a losing quarterback. Um, I it, if you had any doubts about what Jalen Hurts can do uh it's he definitely he showed up in a big way and one like you said Armin one minor blemish which uh you know ended up putting points on the board the other way but uh he was he was by far the best player on the field that game there isn't there's no question about that yeah and man that that three yard sneak that like the Chiefs know is coming like that was insane like they line up in their their goal line or their short yardage, like they do every time, but from three yards out and they make that like that was insane. That like this that determination by Hertz and and Kelsey on that. Yeah, well, the guy squats six bills, like he can push a pile. Yeah, <laughs> it's unreal. Um, you kind of foreshadowed a little bit there, Armand, uh, on where my my uh, side of the week is going to go, and I went Casey DST. Because exactly what you said, we thought uh, the Eagles had the superior defense, the the better front, uh, all round better, uh, better you know special teams, better better defense. But it, like you said, it was Casey that stepped up in a big way. Uh, they had a huge punt return and a timely punt return to put points up on the board and and essentially win the game for them. At least make well, take take the lead. Um, the defense played phenomenal. Uh, they only had one sack, but uh, they played as as well as you possibly could to giving up that much points to um, a Russian quarterback. And there was a lot of question marks on that team, a lot of injuries, a lot of players banged up. Um, is their secondary going to be able to do what they do? They played a lot of zone, but um, you can't play a lot of zone against um, against that that offense. Uh, so I think they played, played as best as they possibly could, and those special teams um, did what they needed to do. Uh, they had a defensive touchdown as close to a special team's punt return as he could possibly get. I think went down on the three. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a, they, they did what they needed to do. Like you said, it wasn't Mahomes that won that game. It was, it was a well-rounded, well-rounded uh, finish. But and how about Canarius Tony going from spare parts on the giants to winning the super bowl and being a big part of that victory. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of what you mean. Like he, you look at his actual fantasy line, I think he had one reception for six yards, but his, contributions were so much bigger than than that one for six um zach you're you're one here i love this one um we'll not <laughs> yeah week here. i saw it and i loved it too man oh boy i had to go a little bit um left field <clears throat> because when i came here to fill out the docket uh the two obvious choices uh in my mind at least were were, were picked by you guys so i did think about maybe going to vonta smith but Decided to go a little odd here. And uh, I said Andy Reid. Um, Andy Reid uh, put on a bit of a coaching clinic uh, in the second half. Uh, going into halftime, the Eagles were up 10 on the Chiefs. But in the second half, um, up until uh, the Chiefs started taking... Uh, the knees at the end of the game to bleed the clock. They had um, gained 219 yards of offense out of a possible 220 yards in the second half. So meaning on each possession, they scored 
up until that last run by McKinnon where he stopped on the one yard line. So uh, Reed, uh, the OC, uh, Behemini, and uh, Mahomes had that offense humming along. And it was a bit of a masterclass, I think, on offensive play calling. Uh, all three of Mahomes, uh, his touchdowns came from inside the red zone. The deepest one being the 18-yard touchdown to uh, to Kelsey. Uh, the other two touchdowns were designed so perfectly that both uh, Kadarius Tony for five yards was wide open. And the four-yard pass to Sky Moore was equally wide open that I think any of the three of us, um, if we were able to get open, would have been able to score uh, had we caught the ball. So Nobody was going to bite on my smash out there. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I definitely agree with that. But I think had we been able to run the route and been that open, we would have been able to finish the play. They, oh, um, it was uh, it was unbelievable. They ran that jet and that motion all night just to set up those two plays. And like the Eagles secondary is one of the best, especially their their safety. Like that that secondary t- on that team is one of the best in the league. And they bet on that motion back to back. It it was like you said, a mastery was the best way to describe it. It was it was unbelievable to be that open against that defense in that big of a game. Oh man, like you run if they ran that play and it works the same way in like the regular field, they're still scoring. Like Tony could have ran to the bus before someone got to him. To the house. To the house. And um Rick, what was I, I read a stat and I just, oh it just escaped me. Like he it was it was um oh, the amount of opportunities won to loss, like his overall record in the playoffs. And it's like one of the most uh, outstanding playoff playoff records in, in coaching history. I can't remember the exact numbers. I might have to try and pull it up here, but what a, what a guy. And, and, you know, a guy that doesn't get enough credit, I think, because the start of his career was a little bit rocky to say the least, but like he's in the realm with me, like of, of the coaching greats, especially in the, like the offensive minds and the creativity you think of the success that Bill Belichick's had, and he'll go down as arguably the best coach in NFL history, if not the best. He'll he'll be a close second. But like Andy Reid's got to be in that conversation for one of the best coaches uh, in you know, especially in recent memory for for what he's done with. I think he's won since he's been with Kansas City. I think he's won the division every single year, been in the playoffs obviously every single year, and now what has it been to the Super Bowl three of the last four seasons and won two of them? Like it's it's what a what a what a run that team's been on and obviously led by by Andy Reid. And the great thing is like I saw a joke saying they're the new Patriots, they're the enemy, but I don't think I can root against Andy Reid. Like I can root against other guys on the Chiefs, but Andy Reid, I, I love that man. Like he's, he's cool a good guy. Team. I'm going to get waffles and a cheeseburger. I don't know you guys like yeah. yeah, I like cheeseburgers too. So I like you, Andy Reid. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's unreal. Um, wrapping this one up here, we got our wager wheel and we were going to do this one live and just with handing out the prizes at the end there, it turned into a bit of a chaos. And then, uh, most people left to following the, uh, Super Bowl. So I, I kind of had a little, I'm gonna have a little fun with this one. And, uh, if you didn't know already, I lost Armin smoked me. It <laughs> I even like mid mid super, I looked over at Armin and said, ah, oh, yeah, I'm in trouble. 
think it went downhill even quicker from there. Um, but what Jalen Hurts says the MVP for that one. Yeah. And like he had double the points Mahomes did. Like I, I was in trouble. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to put out on social media and we're going to give you the listeners at home an opportunity to share a, um, you know, a punishment of some sort. And we'll take those collections, our favorites of those. We'll put them in the wheel. We'll put it up on social media. You'll see it. And then obviously I'll, I'll do the punishment that fits the crime. But a couple of you know, uh, things that, that we're going to put some feelers out there and some guidelines that obviously uh, keep it legal. I think that's the number one here. Got to keep it legal. Keep it something that uh, that we can that's, share on social media. You know, that's, uh, that's appropriate. We can make it funny, but it's got to be something that's appropriate. Um, nothing that'll make Jordan lose his job basically that's kind of what I'm getting at here uh, I'll do a lot I'll, I'll, you know it's fun for the pod it's fun for the brand uh, I'll have a lot of fun with it I'll, I'll eat my shame but uh, let's make it appropriate and make it something that uh, we can at least share out to the public for uh, for you know the people that follow us on social media and whatnot so that'll be out here um, I'll probably post it if not tonight I'll post it tomorrow I'll leave it up for a couple days we'll get it going and maybe it's something I can do during the break and, and maybe uh Hopefully I'm not sitting at McDonald's for 24 hours, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what uh, creative ideas the fan base can get. And we'll, we'll go forward with that. Um, wrapping up the season here, uh, what our expectations are. So we do this every year. We take a little bit of a break uh, just because, you know, the, it's, it's, it's a grind. It's, it's a busy schedule. Uh, everybody's busy. We have real lives. We have wives, we have, you know, extra cur, we have jobs, we have all those things that's, that uh, grind us out in the day throughout the week. And then we make sure that we spend some time here to talk to you guys at home and do something that we really enjoy, but it, uh, it takes a toll. So we take a little bit of time at the end of the year just to uh, hit the reset button and, you know, get, get caught up on uh, real life stuff. And then uh, during the off season, we record every two weeks just because there's not a lot going on throughout the season, uh, especially in the off season there. Sorry. That's uh we we save it all the content for those two week stints. We do something fun, usually lots of game show type type stints or interviews or something along those lines. And then we uh, the next two weeks we share it again on the Wednesday. So uh, the free so what it's going to look like here the free agency um, begins uh, on the 14th, right, Zach? The Mar- March 14th free agency opens back up. Uh, so we're going to drop an episode on March 9th leading up to that free agency, and I'm, I think we're going to be doing a free agency frenzy like kind of like Zach had set up for us last year which was very game show like and we had a lot of fun with that one too so um just wanted to say before we wrap this up everybody can kind of share a final remark here last two cents I guess but just uh, I want to say thank you to everybody that's made year two a, a huge success for us obviously we we went through a lot of kinks last year trying to figure out to year one and how this is all going to work out and year two we once again having a lot of fun doing what we do i uh, got to raise a lot of money for charity, which is kind of the whole backing of what we do here between fantasy football and, and our contributions to Saskatchewan, helping Saskatchewan. But a uh, big thank you to everybody at home listening. If it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be doing this. We'd just be talking over beers on a couch somewhere and instead we're going to put it on a, a podcast and have some fun doing it. So uh, I want to say thank you to everybody at home for listening and making, making this possible. And, and uh, we'll be back in a, in a couple of weeks. But uh, Armin, you have anything uh, to wrap up here? Any any final remarks for the 2022 season? Hey, thanks everyone for coming out and supporting us at the Super Bowl party. Um, hopefully next year we can make it an even bigger success and uh, um, and come out and listen to us during the off season here. It's a lot of fun, and it'll if you even if you don't play Dynasty, it might help you out in your redraft and. 
um come listen to us have fun and reach out to us we like to talk about uh, fantasy all the time so hey it's just fun times to talk about football eh? uh zach anything to uh, mention before we wrap the season up you guys you guys uh you guys said it all um but i, I will add uh for me personally the the off-season discussions are are probably my my preferred topic of conversation so um i'm actually really really looking forward to the next several months of uh episodes absolutely i i agree with you let's i was talking about it actually at our super bowl party it's the season is set and we can there's only so much we can talk about in season because you know we're trying to help you out at home when win your weeks when your championships and there's only so much we can do within that hour parameter we try and set for ourselves but in the off season we have a lot more free free reign and we can have a lot of fun with it and those those game shows those are those are my favorites and we're, we're talking about we're, we're doing what we enjoy. We're doing what we love, but we're having a lot of fun doing it. And, and we've had a lot of, uh, a lot of good feedback at home from people that really enjoyed uh, that, that format too. So um, wrapping it up here, uh, big thanks to you guys, obviously Armin and Zach uh, helping make this uh, weekly thing a success and, and uh, Lucas, I know he's not on right now, but doing his wa- uh, uh, wagers throughout the year and hopefully winning some people at home, some money, but I guess uh, with all, all things considered and uh, I guess kind of uh, that'll do it uh, for the 2022 uh, fantasy season, as well as our episode 81. So thank you very much for listening at home. And uh, I guess we'll see you in three weeks. Take everybody. Oh, and, uh, we'll talk. One soon. more thing. Big oh. thanks to Robbie Ga- Gates on uh, helping set up the Super Bowl party as well. That's that man is an MVP two years in a row. That guy's helped us out with making everything a success honorary uh podcast host <laughs> yeah we we'll have to get him on one of these times i'm sure he would uh, definitely jump all over that anyways take care everybody talk soon and uh thanks for listening <laughs>